You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, PodBay, Speaker, Google Play, and more. And of course, this podcast is also available through our partners at TheChairShot.com. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and it is my honor to introduce my two co-hosts. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how's it going today? Uh, It's going fantastic. How's it going for you, Miranda? It is going well. I know earlier we were talking about our weather variances uh, in the different locations that we are at. Before we get to that, though, we're going to get into the third member of this trio, and that's who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's who. Yes. It's still me. Still you. (laughs) I couldn't jump into the the weather conversation without you bringing you and Brendan, because we are all (laughs) in three different states with three very different weather patterns uh and and weather conditions uh so i mean gosh over over here in arizona it was blistering uh i was recently in las vegas and that was blistering uh, i know uh dusty's going through some pretty big weather uh even right extreme now extreme weather yeah extreme yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of severe weather going on around us. So far, none here yet, but it's headed this way. And had, we had the extreme temperatures last week. We had 102 and 100 degrees <sighs> two days in a row, which was crazy, especially for June. Yeah. Yeah. And we're supposed to hit 102 uh, coming this weekend, which is, as I was saying when we were talking about this before, like really unheard of for most people that have lived in the Seattle area all their lives. So it's crazy to us. I'm I'm sure it's normal to you, Miranda, but you know, yeah, I'm just looking at the calendar right now. (laughs) (laughs) Weather report, Uh, you know, we're going to hit a a high of 105 uh, on Sunday. Uh, I'll be around 101 to 103 for Friday through Monday. Whew. So, yeah, that's just not good. But we want to do real quick because uh, we kind of forgot last week. Uh, as we, much as, you know, we had a plan, but the plan was plan. wrong. Yeah. 
So yeah, we planned it. It was wrong. We avoided the plan. Now we're coming back with part of the plan. Um, and that's a birthday shout out. Uh, we want to give a belated birthday shout out to one of our previous guests. Friend of the show, part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network family, and part of LuchaCentral.com, Jerry Villagrana, uh, world-renowned Lucha Libre photographer, of course, a major part of Eat Like a Luchador cookbook, and just world-renowned for his amazing photography. It was his birthday last Monday. Again, part of the plan. Yeah. Didn't work out. (laughs) But, you know, it's always great. It's nice to have belated birthday wishes. I don't know about you guys, but even if my birthday passed, whether it's been a day or a week, having those, you know, little birthday messages is always nice to have. So a very, very happy birthday to you, Jerry. Yeah, if you've seen the Eat Like a Luchador cookbook, you've seen a lot of Jerry's work. So Yeah, and he was one of the the people that picked the uh, other photographer's pictures, too, so... Him and Kevin talked about that a lot. Like, uh, about a year ago, actually, we, we talked with him on that when we were yeah. on the show. I need to go back and listen to that now that the book's out. There yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah, there's a plug for you. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't meant to be a plug, but yeah, <laughs> like, I suddenly realized we, cause we were talking about his birthday, right? And then he also got, uh, the Mass Republic pro- promotion right around this time last year too, where he became yeah. one of their officers. So, uh, it's apparently a very good time of the year to be Jerry Villagrana. Not that there's a bad time, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, happy birthday from our team, from myself, Dusty and Brennan to you, Jerry. Absolutely. Hope you had a great birthday. Well, you know, we always do it this way, and why change a good thing? Why fix something if it ain't broke? Let's start our show with the road back to shows. All right. Well, I actually have a really short one this week. Um, I don't know what was going on. Normally, there's this giant tsunami of information that comes out, but uh, we're going to start with Mexico City is still green. I'm assuming it's still green because this – I believe was going to be an off week, but I had didn't see an update from my normal couple sources saying that they back rolled or anything else. So we're still marching ahead towards more fans at shows. Um, and then no news from like last week we talked about it, about this Federacion was probably going to have more news, but there's really been no news. Other than more wrestlers canceling their appearance, even though the show itself was postponed. So, I, very bizarre. I, I'm continuing to keep an eye on this. They, they are teasing they're going to have a press conference at some point. I think, uh, I think that the honeymoon period of having all of these really amazing high end talent wrestlers combining with this new federation ended prematurely and now we're kind of looking to see where the uh the pieces are going to land before we get our next big announcement but we will get something <laughs> i guess Hopefully. i should i guess i shouldn't say that it, it could easily just fade into obscurity but uh I, i'm sure some interviewer somewhere will stick a microphone and say so what do you have to say about federation to some wrestler and, and we'll get some 
some variation on on information at some point. But that's that's it. That's uh, like I did not have a lot of big news in uh, the road back to shows this week. Um, there are a few other kind of fun stories that will be pot that have popped up on Lucha Central. So I am going to give the the plug there to to go check out a couple of articles there. It's you know it's it's fun things people going shopping or uh, being out in public again. But uh, uh, seeing as the big emphasis this week was on being green, I figured I'd just send you over there to read it for yourself, and I will move on to the indie roundup where we're having more matches, guys. More matches. It's exciting time. It's happening. It's coming back. Yeah. So IWRG, who um, probably never stopped having matches. uh, We're just going back. So are we officially (laughs) acknowledging IWRG again? Is this this canon? It's canon. We are able to acknowledge them. Yes. Welcome back, IWRG. (laughs) I'm still not happy with your choices, but... You're not uh, you're not breaking the law anymore. So welcome back. Um, they had uh, they did have another event. I have some results here that uh, are I grabbed from Cubs fan, but they are also available on Lucha Central. And uh, so I'm going to skip ahead to the to the secondary main event and the main event. There's a bunch of undercard. There were six matches total. So match number five was Doctor Cerebro. Freelance and Puma de Oro versus uh the Dynamic Black uh oh Dynamic Black Fly Warrior and Supernova. Uh, Puma de Oro was a last minute replacement, but Doctor Cerebro Freelance and Puma de Oro got the win on this one. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with any of these wrestlers, this is. Kind of the reason it's so high up on the card is this kind of a crazy must watch sort of combination of people. There's some good, good basing and a lot of huge high flying spots that are going to happen there. And probably more than a few cookie sheets died this, in this day. Alright, uh, <laughs> You died for my entertainment and I am so pleased you did. Thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> Uh, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then match six, the main event was Abismo Negro Jr. Mamba, Mamba, I want to make sure I'm not mumbling on this, and Maximo against, uh, Arrowboy, Hijo de Abrihe, and Jesse Ventura. Uh, the, uh, the team of Abismo Negro Jr., Mamba, and Maximo wound up winning. Uh, they, there was a foul. I didn't get the who fouled who, but uh it doesn't sound like it's foul, so it's not a, it wasn't somebody's mask coming off, so you know that's just uh just an unpleasant day for somebody uh Cubs fans seems to think that they're gonna be using this to set up an an abismo negro albrihe um mask match, so I am uh I'm on board for this. We uh, yeah. we were talking a bit about how apuestas are really the big deal. Um, we've talked about it recently. Conan was talking about it. Like these are actually bigger than title matches in Mexico. So if that's yeah. what they're building to, 
uh, I'm here for that. And those are kind of both iconic masks. So the fans are going to be very emotionally invested in, in this one. And it could be a very hot crowd. So definitely keep your ears open for this one. Um, and then we had the, uh, we had chaos in Estadio de Baseball Monterrey, which we, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago on the road back. They actually had the event. They also had six matches. Um, I, I'm going over all six on this. There are a lot more names that people will recognize from top to bottom on this because chaos is, uh, they're kind of, doing this like a super indie promotion here in the United States for those that are familiar with that where you just grab a whole bunch of really high big name recognizable people and throw them into matches and uh so hopefully something exciting happens and that usually does so match one we had Commander Charo Negro Viano 3 Jr. Toxin and Dinamico and uh Commander, who, if you remember, we talked about him. He became a meme a while back for doing absurd things off the top rope. And all of these guys are big flyers. Viana 3 Jr. we've talked about. And Charo Negro, I believe we've talked about. So this was your high-flying indie match opener. But Commander's the one that came out on top. Although he didn't get to celebrate very long. Um, he did get uh, attacked after the match by someone not even in the mass, Vasco Jr. So, uh, set a nice stone. And then match two, we had Kai and Tai and Lord Byron against, uh, Cyclope and Medio Extremo and then the other team. So it was a three tag team match. Galactar and Rico Rodriguez. Uh, Kai and Tai and Lord Byron came out on top on that one. Not entirely surprising to me since Cyclope and Medio Extremo are Technically working in another promotion out of Monterey, so, you know, they're probably earning their way up the card here. Uh, and then match three, we had Black Widow and Sexy Star. This is not Sexy Dulce, just for those people that were, are keeping score here. Uh, against Lady Flammer and Reina Dorada. Uh, for the Chaos Women's Tag Team Championship, Black Widow and Sexy Star did win this match and are the Women's Tag Team Champions. I didn't see this and my notes don't have if they were Tag Team Champions going in or not. I thought Flammer and Raider, Reina Dorado were, but I could not confirm this. But either way, congratulations. Always nice to see tag team titles being defended or or one um we have uh and then match four we had fabi apache apache larry miranda toscano against dulce canela lady shawnee and friend of the show mr iguana uh bad news dusty mr iguana's team did not win this time he was robbed <laughs> I demand a recount of the three count. <laughs> uh, 
with all six of those people, that looked like it was a really great match. Uh, I'm sure Mr. Iguana is going to have some highlights on his social soon. So Dusty uh, will have seen it. And for those of you who aren't following Mr. Iguana on social media, why aren't you? He's hilarious. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's got great uh, taste in music. He's always posting great songs <laughs> and stories. It's true. It's true. Uh, I'm not that you shouldn't follow any of or all of these people, but uh, we because we know Mr. Iguana, we know we we know he's always funny on on socials. Uh, and then uh, we we're moving up to the to the big parts of the card here. So this is the one. This is the one that that set the internet on fire because there's always one. Um, Hijo del Kingo. Mysticis Jr., Octagon Jr. against El Divo, Emperador Azteca, and Hijo del Impostor. Uh, the reason this one set everybody on, on fire is because of the extremely gifable moment where Hijo del Vikingo ran up the ramp, jumped onto the top rope, and then I lost count of how many rotations he did. I believe it was 630 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> It was something ridiculous like that. Yeah. <laughs> Landed on his opponent and nobody died. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, to have the balance and like the momentum yeah. and all to do that from the top rope is insane. Like you usually yeah. see something like that from the second row. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, also incredible. not with a running star. Yeah. And, oh. <laughs> Down the ramp. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a uh, very absurd. Uh, moment uh appropriately enough the hijo del vikingo mysticis and octagon jr won this match but oh my goodness um even if you only see the the 30 seconds that was that moment that's that's worth seeing on its own but every uh, there's there's spots of plenty on this one to, to watch it was pretty crazy um Devo was a last-minute replacement for El Dragon, but I really don't think that Devo was the weak link in the team on, on the team that lost this on this particular day. I think uh, Hijo Del Vikingo really had a good breakfast that morning and was just really, really feeling champion that in that moment. And then we get to our absolute main event with some. Pretty big names and one name that we uh, probably need to explain again because I think it's been a while. Rey Scorpion, Fresario Jr., and Conan Big. Uh, Dona, Demonio Infernal. So let me say that again. Demonio Infernal and DMT Azul. So um, hopefully listeners of the show are familiar with Rey Scorpion. DMT Azul, we talk about them quite a bit. Fresario Jr. is uh, another big boy that we he's his name has come up quite a bit. Um, and then Conan Big. So just real quick, Conan Big was it was he a DJ? Dusty, is that where he started, or was that yeah, am I making it, that up? Yeah, that's that's what I think. Yeah, it sounds right to me. I mean, he was some kind of media personality. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought I knew that he was definitely a media personality. I thought he might have been a DJ first. I think he was. That sounds right. I couldn't remember if he was a DJ or a dancer, but a DJ sounds better. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you're getting the gist of it. He was a he's the he's a personality in the Monterey region more than he was a wrestler. 
but because he's a fan of wrestling, he kind of got involved in a bunch of matches. And because he came as a persona, he got this really bigger-than-life reputation. Uh, sometimes his matches are more comedy, and sometimes they're just straight-up brawls. But at this point, he's in a lot of the main event scene in Monterey. Some people love that, and some people hate that. Uh, but you can kind of expect it, and you can kind of expect a big crowd reaction. So he's always there. He did not win today. Uh, Ray Scorpion won today, and uh, he got the pinfall over Demonio Infernal, Infernal. And this was technically for the Chaos Heavyweight Championship, but I mean, I don't think anybody cared with those names in there that it was about that. I think they just wanted to see a lot of violence and more dead cookie sheets. And then some people were rooting for Conan Big to either get destroyed really badly or to destroy somebody. So, you know. But that was our our big main event in the baseball stadium. I didn't I kind of under mentioned that at the beginning. The Stadio de Baseball means baseball stadium. So, uh very interesting visuals for for the uh, cameras and all that fun stuff. Uh, kind of an outdoor show, but, you know, you've got all of the conveniences of a baseball stadium, so you can go grab a hot dog or some Mexican street food, more likely, and uh, have a great old time. I, I would have loved to have been there for this one, but uh, Monterey is still a little far for me to get, and I don't think that uh, I could get back across the border from Mexico <laughs> right now. That's our, our indie roundup. I wanted to go over the whole chaos event. Um, again, I want to point out that uh, we're building up, but I have, I'm intentionally trying to keep time open for any last minute submissions. So any week, please, if you wrestler, promoter, fan, if you have something that you think you, uh, you want me to talk about or look out, look at it at the very least, send it, send it my way. We'll do socials at the end of the show. Um, and then, uh, we d- will be doing this spot moving forward. It'll probably be the, be the bigger deal than the road back to shows once we're done anticipating live crowds again. So, uh, you know, please send me the matches and, uh, send me, send me your favorite. Tell me who your favorites are so I can go look them up myself. I'm willing to do the legwork too. Um, all right. Well- I, I actually want to do a plug because uh, this will lead into something we'll get into a little bit later on the show. But speaking of independent talent, Uh-oh. we are going to have a clip later on in the show of a interview that we did last week with one of wrestling's biggest independent stars, uh, one of Lucha Libre's uh, most well-known, currently well-known Star, someone who definitely has had maybe more of a polarizing uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fan base or, or, you know, I guess what's the best way to, to explain it. But he definitely uh, is a, a wrestler who you have heard of, who you have seen <laughs> in more ways than one. So make sure you stay tuned towards later on in the show where we will let you know who our interview was with and a clip of 
uh, that, that said interview. It is also going to be released separately from this podcast. So you are going to be able to listen to it on the Lucha Central Podcast Network, all the same ways that you listen to this show, but stay tuned. So that way you get the info on who our most recent interview was with. That's just all the teasers I'm going to do for now. <laughs> but up next, we are going to kick it off to Denise Alcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at Lucha-Masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. A huge thank you to Denise Alcedo, who lets us know each and every week what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Uh, make sure to check her out on Lucha Central's YouTube page. You can find a lot of the interviews that she's done uh, for her channel, Instinct Culture, and, of course, on behalf of LuchaCentral.com. 
Up next, Dusty is going to share with us some AAA news. Yeah, we had some small but interesting news regarding AAA this week. If you recall, back when Lucha Underground was created, it was a joint project between AAA and an American entity for the purposes of the program, and it was called Lucha Libre FMV, FMV standing for Factory Made Ventures. And when the El Rey Network closed and they were doing accounting, Lucha Libre FMV discovered they technically owned all the international rights to AAA's product and their trademarks. So this led to AAA only being available in Mexico, and that's how things have been going for about six months now. The but, worst six months. Yes. <laughs> it's been a been a mess. But Lucha Libre FMV, like, the, the end is near. Lucha Libre FMV currently has until June 30th to either serve AAA with the paperwork or file a reason why they haven't served AAA with the paperwork to the judge that's overseeing the case. Uh, AAA could actually win a surprise judgment here, you know, like where they'll just win if nothing happens. But the judge could just as easily decide that COVID is a valid reason nobody's been served yet. And, you know, there's no bonus for filing early, so don't expect anything before the 30th. <laughs> but, you know, we'll we'll find out, hopefully. But it opens up an interesting series of possibilities, but pretty much none of them. We'll open up the possibility of official channels for seeing Verano de Escondolo legitimately in the U.S., and this mm. may affect our Triple Mania viewing chances as well. And speaking of Triple Mania, if they hold firm on the date of August 14th and Mexico City stays green, which currently seems a little unlikely but still rather possible, so, you know, we'll see. But they would be going head-to-head with a New Japan pay-per-view that will air on both New Japan World and Fight TV that features a card with John Moxley, Jay White, Leo Rush, and more. So I think it's very likely we could see the date changed at this time. You know, it's looking a little hazy for a triple mania date but there is a press conference this coming monday july the 28th to run down the rest of the details for triple mania and so check back next week for the news and info we'll have everything they covered at the press event and don't forget that next saturday july the 3rd is verano de escondolo featuring lady shawnee versus diana Parazzo in her triple a debut so we'll have all those results hopefully they'll have some information on that at the press conference on monday so we'll have that too anything we find out we will have that for you next week so i just want to jump in real quick since we went back to mexico city staying green um politically the pundits wanted to stay green despite the fact that the conditions that normally would dictate backsliding to yellow might be happening so there's two sides on this. Uh, we will see who wins out, but I, it's much like here in the States. It sounds like travel and tourism is winning this war and they're just going to make, uh, they're just going to assume that people are vaccinated and, and not continue, uh, uh, backsliding the, the colors, but, uh, that could change anytime now. I, I was actually speaking with a luchador recently who'd done some work in America, and they were saying that you would be surprised how easy it is to get a shot here, you know, coming into the States, so that a lot of yeah. them have actually had the ability, have been vaccinated because they've been here. Because they, so, yeah. 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 So That's hopefully, yeah, it keeps, keeps things going and keeps them healthy enough for the show so 
even if the crowds aren't huge, hopefully we still get Triple Mania. It'll be really exciting. Well, Dusty, do you mind taking us into the world of AEW this week on Elevation, Dark, and Dynamite? Yes. First up on Mondays, we have Dark Elevation. And our first highlight match was Pinta El Zero Miedo and Eddie Kingston defeating Vari Morales and Fuego Del Sol. And this was such a good match. I've mentioned before that I'm a big fan of the pairing of Eddie Kingston and Pinta, and this match was no exception. It was largely a squash match, but it had some interesting offensive flurry from Fuego. He gave Eddie Kingston what it really looked like a black eye. There was a wild, stiff kick. Looked like it gave Eddie a black eye, but it didn't take him out of commission. It just made him even more motivated and mad. Like, extra mad Eddie Kingston is scary. Like, King Kong level scary. So this was cool. I loved the pair, like I say, the pairing of Eddie and Penta. This is a nice view of them on dark elevation. It helps elevate them, no pun intended. And it improves their tag team record. So hopefully we get to see some more of them as an actual tag team in the future. They were tied together last year during the pandemic as part of Eddie Kingston's family, you know, and they had the thing with Penta being his best friend. So it feels natural having them together. I love their dynamic. Hopefully Mox stays out on paternity leave for a while when Renee had her baby. John Moxley went on paternity leave. Phoenix is injured. So we got this tag team, and I am here for it. And then our main event on Elevation was Matt Seidel defeating Jack Evans, and these two just have the most incredible chemistry together in the ring. They just had a fantastic match where they constantly one-upped each other in a series of fantastic spots. It's exactly what you'd imagine when somebody says Jack Evans versus Matt Seidel. Uh, Paul White, formerly known as Big Show on commentary, mentioned that these guys were both in Dragon Gate, Japan, which was interesting and unexpected from Paul White. But <laughs> they were also on our fearless leader, Kevin, Kine, Kevin Kleinrock's MTV Project Wrestling Society X. They were on the first episode with a match against each other. So, I mean, it's kind of cool to see them wrestling each other after all this time. And after trading roll-ups for a pair of two counts, Matt Seidel hit a jumping knee, then a question mark kick. He rolled that to a lightning spiral, and Matt Seidel wins with a three count. He now has a record of nine and three, while Jack Evans has an abysmal one and seven record. Tuesday night, we had dark. Brian Cage, 9-2 and two record, defeated Chandler Hopkins with an 0-3 record. And this wasn't so much about what was happening in the ring for me, but the development and tension between FTW champion Brian Cage and Team Taz, but especially with pretty Ricky Starks on commentary. Cage drew out Hopkins in a series of moves instead of just finishing him with brute strength. And that pissed Taz off on commentary. That was pretty cool. Cage hits the whip and X, picks up the win in three minutes and 59 seconds before chasing Ricky Starks backstage and behind the curtain. And Diamante, our next match, was Diamante with the 22-14 record, defeating Ashley D'Ambois, who is 0-4. I really like Ashley D'Ambois, and I felt bad for her knowing that Diamante would not be holding back. And I was right. Diamante is getting better every week. 
Her eyes and facial expressions, like when she comes out with that bandana, her eyes are so intense. And she's just got – everything is top-notch. Her submission game is unparalleled. She picked up the victory in just 64 seconds before an immediate post-win beatdown and then made the ref raise her hand afterwards. It was incredible. This is the Diamante I want. Like she looks so – tough and dominant and they are building her up to something i hope it's a feud maybe with thunder rosa we'll see what happens but i am very excited and that leads us into dynamite where we had pinta eddie kingston and frankie kazarian against the good brothers and matt jackson we get a quick moment early in the show and pinta eddie kingston and the elite hunter kazarian are ready Kazarian dropped a Bible verse, and Eddie said that the elite needed to pray to their God to take their souls because their asses belonged to him. And Pinta said, Cerro Miedo. (laughs) And as for the match itself, these Young Bucks matches are getting more and more tiresome. Like, they should just show up on darker elevation to raise their numbers if that's something they want, instead of doing it in the main event of Dynamite. It would make more sense of them being unbeatable because it is defying any belief at this point. But I do have to say I loved the dynamic between Gallows and Kingston and the dynamic between Penta and Machine Gun Anderson. I would really like to see a tag team match between these guys. The the size and styles were just so cool together, but only if we can leave the elite and or the Bucks out of the equation. Like – It's just, yeah, it's not exciting with them in the match right now. And I say that as somebody that was a Young Bucks fan. Like, it's just stale at this point for me. And then we also had Andrade with an interview with Jim Ross. He looked like a million bucks. They, I thought Jim Ross was an interesting choice, but Brendan and I discussed it earlier this week, and that seems to be where they're going with Jim Ross, you know, like that's part of his deal is he interviews the the big stars. And we still don't have a feel for what Andrade's going to do or going to be. We haven't had much character development. There hasn't been a match announced yet. He didn't have any music on his debut. And so it left me with more questions than answers and not in a good way. Confused questions, not anticipatory questions. So, again, I mean, it feels like AEW just doesn't know what they're doing with Andrade. I don't know if it – Brendan and I have talked about this. There's a – you know, he may have a certain number of dates contracted, and to get that pay from the TV contract, he may be appearing on television. But it's making it feel forced and directionless, like a ship without a rudder. They just don't seem to have anything for him. There's been things that make him feel vaguely Rudo, vaguely heel, but they they still haven't affirmed that aside from placing him with Vicky. And that was also a strange pairing, and it's more to get Vicky over as a manager than to get Andrade over because she's using him for clout. And it's a, it's a whole thing that's just very strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And it just seems like... You know, at first it made sense if he was going to be on to help co-promote, co-brand the anticipated uh, Triple Mania fight. But it seems like they're shifting all of that attention 
to Jungle Boy and he's kind of floating around. And unless he ends up having an actual program with somebody in the meantime, you're right. It's just it's the the placement feels odd. The purpose feels kind of out of uh, out of place. There doesn't seem to be a clear direction. Um, and and you're right. There is no clear line, and there doesn't always have to be between say a rudo and a technical. But in this case, you know, it's it's already kind of obvious that there is a fan base that isn't familiar with him. You just want to know, you know, whether you yep. should either have a true direction for him, whether it's in personality or character or who he's facing and i feel like you we have neither right now so i do want to point out that they are listening to some level of criticism because they're building the jungle boy match to your point that it you know it is undermining andrade's presence i'm definitely not going to argue that it totally is but they've been criticized for having matches on these special Saturday shows or on the week things that are supposed to be a big deal, but they don't really do anything with it. And he won. I mean, he won the 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 whatever they call their Royal Rumble thing. Um, the to, Casino Battle Royal. Yeah, to get yeah. this spot. So the in fairness, they should be building to him. And Andrade should be in the in the spot after that. Now there's a couple interesting things they could do. Most likely, it's just going to be Jungle Boy doesn't win, and then we start looking ahead to whoever's going to be next. But uh, uh, so what they and I think I said this on the air. I can't remember if I said this on the air or during one of my rants. What they should have been doing is instead of these interviews and all of that, having the having vignettes, just yes. having him. Sit in that awesome looking stage he had for Triple Mania at the Triple Mania debut, sipping his expensive booze, wearing his expensive clothes, and talking about how awesome he is. Whether it's in a face manner or in a heel manner, I'm not sure because we don't know what they, they want to do with this character. But then you have this sense of anticipation that he's going to be there, and you could even bring him, then trot him out in front of the crowd. After the Jungle Boy match, right? Uh, so I don't, I, you are, you are correct that it is, it seems directionless. It seems very directionless to me. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that they're not doing these much more obvious ideas makes me wonder if they ever really had a plan or if they're just, they, so we know now that the reason Andrade didn't deba- debut sooner was because of contract negotiations. But what we don't know is what they decided. Mm, and, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, so like, yeah, we don't know if, if they, it, he's going to be the next big hot thing and, and that's why they're, they're trying to square peg round hole this, this thing or if they just want to get him dates like, like Dusty and I were talking about at that, at that point. I just, very interesting situation. I'm uh, I'm more faithful that the AEW group will do something interesting with him than any time because the regular listeners of the show will notice we had a very low expectation for WWE's use of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and, well, I, I think AEW was just built upon. You know, trying to learn from the mistakes 
of previous promotions, both WWE and WCW, even Tony Khan yeah. came out just recently saying that they've been trying to learn from the mistakes of WCW. But, you know, for a company that prides itself on being different, on learning from mistakes, on trying to elevate new stars, they can easily fall into the same traps that other companies have, like you've been saying, Brendan, and maybe they don't really know what to do with him or maybe the execution of, of what they're trying to do long term isn't connecting. And so they have to pivot and pivot quickly um, or, or they stick to their guns and see if the long game plays out. I'm not sure, but yeah. I think that's one of the things that, you know, AEW is so open about, but that does leave them open for criticism when you say you try to do something different or you try and learn, but yet you're kind of doing the, the same things that other companies have done. And, you know, is Andrade going to be better off? Um, is, is this going to be a step in the right direction? So far, it feels like no. Yeah, yes. true. Uh, I, I think we will get a much clearer picture after Saturday. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's what yeah. I'm still holding my breath on because, uh, whether jungle boy wins or loses, they're going, they need to move ahead with him. And if they do move ahead with him either Saturday or Wednesday, we will have a clearer idea of what they're doing. Um, this is my pure fantasy booking. I'm just going to say it now. So that way, if the, the, very off chance something like this even remotely happens, I can do a happy dance. Uh, Jungle Boy wins on Saturday and Audrade comes out and challenges him because he doesn't care about Kenny Omega. He cares about the gold. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, and nobody would expect, I mean, nobody is going to expect a long reign from Jungle Boy. So it, it puts people in unexpected waters. They have no idea if the new mega star is going to be the one that wins that, or if jungle boy is going to be the next upset King, like, you know, all a giant killer Ray Mysterio. So yeah, they could do something very interesting on Saturday. I'm not overly optimistic that they will, because Kenny Omega's got a lot of storyline that's connected, not just to AEW right now, but they, they very well could. Well, the results for AEW shows are available on LuchaCentral.com. So if you missed anything, make sure you go there. Up next, we're going to take you through this week in NXT. And the Lucha Focus is in the women's division this week. Uh, first, we're going to start off with a tag match. Uh, Zoe Stark and Io Shirai teaming up to face Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea from the Robert Stone brand. Prior to this match, uh, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark had a encounter uh, backstage where they agreed to partner out of, you know, necessity, uh, but don't really like each other. And so that is something that I think we're going to see carry through uh, over the next few weeks or even into a feud. But the match itself was fairly quick. I mean, you have Io Shirai, one of the best women's wrestlers in the entire world. Um, and first she was in the ring with Aaliyah, which Aaliyah has grown leaps and bounds uh, over the years. But you know, there's nothing that you can do to stop Io Shirai. 
Um, they did find an opening when Zoe Stark tagged in, with Zoe being a little bit less experienced, but still fantastic and amazing in her own right. And Io Shirai won this match for her team with the moonsault. Um, during the match, we saw Candice Lorraine and Indy Hartwell came out, come out, the NXT tag team, women's tag team champions. And after the match, uh, we had Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez come out and tell Io Shirai and Zoe Stark that they weren't going to pass them up for a title shot. They need to get in the back of the line. Then that brought out Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, and eventually everyone just attacked each other. A, a melee happened until new NXT enforcers Samoa, Samoa Joe had to come out and help break up the action, and it was later announced that we are going to have a tag team triple threat match next week to determine a new number one contenders for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. Uh, Zoe Stark and Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai versus uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart with the winner facing the way at the Great American Bash. Uh, so Raquel Gonzalez has taken some time away from defending her title, trying to get a second to become Two Belts Gonzalez. Oh, please, please, Dude. wrestling gods, make it happen. Raquel Gonzalez for all <laughs> the belts. Uh, up next, though, we did see Frankie Monet in action again. She was going to, I forget exactly how she described it, but an encore presentation of her world debut, world premiere, I believe is how she framed it, <laughs> uh, against Electra Lopez. And, you know, Electra had some good offense, and but really Frankie paid no mind to Electra, really couldn't care less. Um, and eventually Electra got a little bit of an upper hand and um, was really motivated Frankie to, you know, step up her game. She won the match by hitting the glam slam. And, you know, Frankie is definitely a pot stirrer. Uh, prior to that, she was backstage with Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea, kind of planting some seeds of doubt within the Robert Stone brand. We've seen her backstage with multiple uh, women in the division, kind of just planting seeds, kind of stirring and starting up trouble. So they are building up Frankie Monet to, you know, just to be a, a contender in the women's division, uh, but also someone who, you know, is going to get in some situations, is going to get in some trouble, is going to stir the pot. And, you know, I, I think especially for Aliyah and Jesse Kamea, um, you know, who are kind of a little bit lower on the priority list, it's great to have, you know, some kind of storyline in it. But it does seem like right now the focus, at least in the immediate future, is going to be on the NXT Women's Tag Team Division and less on the Women's Championship Division. Um, but who knows that between all of these matches happening, we may have a new number one contender come out of this. I just want to get your quick thoughts on this, gentlemen, as far as, you know, the shift, at least this week, being on the NXT Women's Tag Team Division. Well, before I talk about any of that, I wanted to also throw out that uh, I saw, in the highlights I saw of Frankie Monet's match, she showed some MMA skills this time, too, mm -hmm. which is she's continuing to evolve her skill set. That's not something we saw as much, which means that long-term fans of Taya Valkyrie have lots more reasons to look forward to her being in this division because she is yes. growing leaps and bounds by being in the performance center from her already high mark. So, uh, let's, let's, let's not be, 
I'm not going to mince words on that. She was already one know. of the best. You're, you're right. <laughs> uh, the key to survival is evolution. Adapt. Yeah. To be adaptable, especially in WWE. You need to be able to mm-hmm. show how you can evolve, change, morph at a moment's notice. And still seeing Ty of Valkyrie. I mean, Frankie Monet is a now shade of Ty of Valkyrie. You know, a lot of yeah. her moves, it's La Huera Loca, uh, is something that she continues to refer to her, to herself. Her Lucha Libre background is still heavily talked about during commentary. Her gear, her look, her flamboyant, all of it is mm-hmm. still there. You know, the name change, I think people have just gotten used to finally because they're still seeing that it's still Ty Valkyrie, but like you're mentioning, Brennan, it's now a level up. She is now leveling up, um, which is, I mean, exactly why I know for me, I wanted to see her in NXT. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as far as the the shift over to the tag division, uh, when you've got a women's division as deep in talent as NXT and you're fighting for spots on uh, on on takeovers, I, I wanted to say pay-per-views, but I mean, I guess you know, they're, they're going to be a thing of the past thanks to the Peacock. Um the you you might as well you've got enough people to do it uh they there were recently there was recently discussion about other promotions and the uh and and trios championships and historians mentioned that classically the reason that trios championships didn't happen in american promotions is because you only had like 20 people total on the roster which includes your your world champ and your tag team champ so you just don't have the depth to do it but that is not a problem nxt has with the women's tag division so uh you know i mean as much as i would love to see two belts gonzalez i feel that she's the that team is really there to add legitimacy to one of the other two teams winning and uh and and making because uh we are almost definitely going to see a uh heavyweight championship defense at the great american bash and i'm secretly hope not so secretly hoping it's frankie monet Mm -hmm. absolutely agree absolutely agree yes well make sure that you check out the results for nxt on luchacentral.com you know they're going to shift again so not so much in the world championship picture with Kieran Cross this week. Seems like though Samoa Joe keeps getting in his way and y'all just teasing Samoa Joe versus Kieran Cross, which is just not fair. Like either you just if you're not gonna do it, then why are you teasing it? I just <laughs> I'm just like shut up and take my money. Give me Kieran Cross and Samoa Joe, but you know, we just calm down, Miranda, calm down. Everything's gonna There's, be fine. There is some Kieran Cross news this week. Were you gonna talk about that? No, go ahead and jump into that. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Actually, now I remember. And I don't know if that's more for the W. Well, we're actually going to mention it in WWE. Okay. Uh, because, okay. you know, I'll, I'll tag team with Dusty on that one a little bit later on. Spoiler alert. There's yes. some, so there's some bonus content in the WWE. So if you normally skip it because Raw sucks, maybe listen to the WWE segment this week. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> But I am going to jump over to you, Brendan, because we have some news in Ring of Honor, including the survival of the Finnish tur- tournament. Uh, yeah, so we did have uh, more updates in survival of the fittest. Uh, this was our other Lucha content. We had uh, Bandito this week against Bateman. And as people who are familiar with these wrestlers will know, the, 
the whole story of the match, it was a, kind of a styles clash. Uh, Bateman is kind of a scary brawler. He is very lucha trained, by the way. People who mm-hmm. are unaware of this, he's he California. Performed, yeah, he performed at both Expo Luchas. He's he's uh, worked with all of the talent. I I don't know which one of the lucha schools he teaches that at the top of my head, but he teaches, I remember when I was researching someone else, he was one of the instructors at one of the Lucha-based schools. So he's got the skill set there. And you can see a little bit of that creeping through here because he made Bandito look like a star. <laughs> and uh, I had I had fun watching this one. Bandito did come on out on top on this one. He advances to Survival of the Fittest. So we have not one, but two Luchadors of the three that were in, involved in this tournament advancing to the, to the, to the next wrap. So we're in a good place for that. The, uh, good slash bad news is that it's, it's Bandito and Flamita, which means that they're probably not, neither one of them is probably going to win. They're probably going to kind of attack each other, which also is good news because those two wrestling each other is just awesome. So, uh, that's, that's our survival of the fittest. Uh, we also had, uh, a really exciting triple threat main event for the television title. Dragon Lee attempting to win back his television title that technically he never lost. Um, we had Dragon Lee against Hot Sauce Tracy Williams and Tony Deppin. And this one, got interesting at first i was afraid it was going to suffer from uh this match shouldn't should should be on a pay-per-view syndrome like the tag team match we had last week and it did but it didn't because of the way that it finished uh so you still got a lot of good solid action clearly they were holding back a little bit to make you hungry for a little bit more which is at, which is great because what's happening now, it, what happened at the end of the match and the, the build that they're doing is going to make, is go, going to pay off with a bigger, higher profile match where everybody involved can go a little more crazy. Uh, Hot Sauce was, uh, incapacitated. I believe it was from a low blow or cheap shot or something of that. Maybe it was just a good, a really good move. I don't remember anymore because of what happened next. Tony Deppen basically falls on him for the cover. Dragon Lee runs over like he's going to break up the, the whole thing, stops, and just waits for the three count to happen. So Tony Deppen retains the title. Uh, and then Hot Sauce Williams takes the fall, and then Kenny King comes out and says, this was plan B. Plan A, obviously, is win the title. Plan B is if you're, if we're gonna lose, let someone else take the pinfall. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they, their strategy seems to be to have, uh, the foundation drop down in the rankings so that they can have a one-on-one match with Dragon Lee and Tony Deppen. And they challenged for the next pay-per-view. So we have to just tune in and see this this next week if uh, that's if the powers that be, whoever the matchmakers uh, are at ROH, are going to make that 
match for the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Or if they're going to do this as a rematch. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say that that it was confirmed two days ago on Ring of Honor social media that the first title match for Best in the World on July 11th will be Tony Deppin defending the television championship against Dragon Lee. I did miss that. Thank you. Um, yeah, so there you go. We're getting it. We're getting it on the pay-per-view. We're getting Tony Deppin and Dragon Lee. It's going to be a barn burner. Uh, I, earlier in the year, I reported on Tony Deppin being at the America versus Mexico branded show, and he really gets Lucha. I could see that in that match. So if you're going to give him 20 minutes on a pay-per-view against one of the best luchadors in the world right now, this is going to be a match to watch. So uh, that's our ROH update. It's really exciting news this week. Definitely. The, the, as always, their their matches are for the, the week will be up for free. So by the, by the time this episode goes up, you'll only have a day left to catch it. But do try to catch this week's episode for free. It's, it's well worth the watch. We're going to now take it to Dusty, who gives us this week in Lucha Libre history. Yeah, that's right. Now it's time for this week in Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera. For information, birth dates, anniversaries, matches of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre. And that's at LuchaCentral.com. Your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week we chose the match of the day for June 27th. Rey Mysterio versus Dean Malenko at WCW Monday Nitro. This was Rey Mysterio's very first appearance on WCW Nitro, and it slightly predates the formation of the NWO by a few weeks, so this was actually very early in the cruiserweight era for WCW. This was a rematch from the Great American Bash pay-per-view that had taken place two weeks before, and once again, the WCW cruiserweight title was on the line, which Dean would eventually hold for 66 days before later dropping it to Rey Mysterio on Nitro three weeks after this match, the night after the famous Bash on the Beach 1996 pay-per-view. This was only the second match ever between Ray and Dean, and while it's not full of the same excitement and offensive flurries as some of their later matches in the cruiserweight division, it is a well-paced and interesting match, and it is an excellent example of the early WCW cruiserweight era. What did you think of it, Brendan? Oh, man. So, I I don't know if I've mentioned it on the air recently. I know I did on a different podcast, but I was the guy that watched these matches. I'm the one that stayed in the room while other people went to get snacks or or hit the bathroom or whatever else. And I do not regret it because of matches like this. This was a 10-minute solid match, and it was probably the best 10 minutes of wrestling that was on that episode that Mm -hmm. night, Especially considering, as Dusty mentioned, the placement right next to the major story angle that was is a, a on the verge of happening. They uh, they I remember they tended to the wrestling kind of went more tame right leading into that, so that they could have a bigger explosion when you know when there was a lot more emotion behind it. So, um, I mean, it's a it's a technical masterpiece. Like you have two guys working together to make a really amazing match. Uh, I don't want to say that Ray was at the height of his career because he really reached 
major heights when he mm-hmm. went to WWF, but I mean, he was, he was not, uh, he was not the young kid we saw in ECW that was, you know, willing to crash and burn. He knew what he was doing by this point. He knew how to manipulate a crowd. Mm-hmm. He knew how to, how to make, how to do solid technical moves and transition and chain wrestling. Dean Malenko and chain yes. wrestling, right? Yeah. Oh, so good. yeah. Reach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Miranda, before I just keep ranting. No, I, I just, as soon as you said Dean Malenko and chain wrestling, I was like, yes. <laughs> That that is the truest statement I've heard literally all day today. Um, and, and you know what, too? You know, I had forgotten about his moniker, the Iceman, and how they kept, you know, really like that very firm, strong, you know, look on his face, the way that he approached his matches. Um, but yet how quickly and smoothly he could work. It was such almost like a contradiction, but it, it worked so well and it almost sucks. It's like, oh man, I wonder what if, what if D. Malenko could have gone more further with that kind of gimmick? Um, and it wasn't maybe the place on, on WCW because they were more drawn to personalities, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think that this match, as both of you have stated, a very, very solid 10 minutes. And the crowd was getting into it, especially with the near falls. You had already seen people in the crowd with Rey Mysterio masks, which then we'll see, you know, for for 20 plus years. Um, yeah. And uh, Tony Schiavone, to his credit, uh, really trying to get fans engaged in the match. It was hard with Bobby Heenan, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I mean, Bobby's- <laughs> Yeah. Kept going all these different directions, and he's, oh. oh, he had him. No, he didn't. Not that time. <laughs> uh, Made you miss so. Mike today. Yeah. Thank yeah. <laughs> Mike today. He just wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> he just wasn't there. Why are you taking me with Mike today? He's not there. But, uh, you know, I think that this was something that I think just very undervalued at the time. You know, it was. The things that WCW did so well. But history really just remembers, you know, the big moments, the big names. Um, and even commentary, you know, kind of plays that up that, you know, this the match in front of you wasn't as important as what was the bigger storylines happening. But mm-hmm. it was one of the best things that WCW did and giving them that showcase, that airtime, and also the ability to be in front of such a live crowd it yeah. really, you know, the, the luchadors in the cruiserweight division really did resonate with the crowds. You saw it in the merchandise and in the masks and in the shirts and in the posters. So eventually, you know, they, they built up, but, um, I think that this, you know, was just a very clean, straightforward match. And sometimes that's just what you want for 10 minutes. Like it went by yeah. so smoothly, yeah, yep. so easily that you don't even realize it literally felt like a few minutes. And I think that now we just get, so much on TV, whether it's, you know, wacky gimmicks and uh, interferences and whatnot that, you know, sometimes it feels like you lose the art of just a solid, straightforward match. It feels yeah. more insulting to us as the viewer. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I do yeah. have to, uh, since we you brought it up, and I don't know if we're going to be able to swing back around for this later uh, in in the uh, this week, um, the Iceman gimmick was killed by another luchador. Chris Jericho is the one that killed the Iceman yes. gimmick. <laughs> so, uh, he, he, the, 
I'm like mad, but not mad. <laughs> right? <laughs> so for those who, who didn't live through that, uh, Chris Jericho, as you might know, tends to make fun of the people he's wrestling against. And he kept referring to Dean Malenko as boring because of that Iceman expression. And uh, that that brought out the anger in Dean Malenko, and we got to see a slightly different edge to him. And then we never went back to the Iceman after that feud was over. So Chris Jericho, you took away a really interesting gimmick by being a super interesting personality. I don't know if I love you or hate you for that. <laughs> and I know you're listening to the show because all the big names listen to the show. Yeah, they're huge fans. <laughs> huge fans. Well, that was this week in Lucha Libre history. As Desi mentioned, you could check out LuchaCentral.com for this day in Lucha Libre history where you have events, videos of matches, and so much more on that website. Now we come to the part of the show where we are able to reveal the interview that we conducted just last week with a very well-known wrestler, luchador, someone that you have seen on your television screens or uh, phone screens very, very recently, and someone who, for you know, some may consider kind of a polarizing figure, and that is El Rudo de las Chicas, Sam Adonis himself. Uh, you've seen him in CMLL, AAA, NWA, Independence all over uh, the United States and Mexico. Myself, Dusty, and Brennan had uh, the honor and pleasure of interviewing Sam Adonis for the show. Uh, and it was really insightful to get to know more about his background. And, you know, we, we did talk to him about, you know, what it was like to have your name plastered all over the news for maybe some not so great reasons uh related to his his character in mexico being very pro trump very political um and it was just fascinating but before i jump in too much gentlemen i want to get your your thoughts on, on the interview brendan why don't you start first uh well i really enjoyed that he was so very well educated and i made reference to talking about the wcw cruiserweight era he has a story in there talking about watching the cruiserweights too uh, so like he is from a wrestling family they appreciated that if they had watched if we had watched this match with sam we would have gotten some amazing ins insight on it but as it is that was a very fascinating part of the interview as well yeah it really was uh i enjoyed where he talked about his time in the cmll uh you know like the training classes and how he no matter who you are, no matter where you are on the cart, you are expected to show up for class. And your Every Wednesday. There, yeah, your attitude <laughs> there and how hard you try, at least in Sam's opinion, really affected your placement on the card. And he thought that it was his willingness to get in there and do it. And it was just very motivating in a way, you know, like putting in the work to get the results. And mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that from somebody like Sam. That's incredible. Well, yeah, and, and to stress this, uh, I, I'm not going to give away too much from the interview on this, but I mentioned already he comes from a wrestling family, so he could have had an easier road if he wanted to, and Absolutely. that's part of the story that he tells. Yeah. So, everyone, make sure you listen to our interview with Sam Adonis. We are going to now include a little clip from our interview with Sam right here. To that respect for classic lucha, guys like Atlantis and Blue Panther, Negro Cassis, they wanted to work with me because I was a professional 
and I respected their position. So uh, I got invited and when I could not believe when Paco Alonso told me I was having a, uh, a hair match, um, it was just unbelievable. And then to win that in Arena Mexico, I mean, in front of 10,000 people, uh, it, it's just to this day when I'm in Mexico City, that's what people bring up. Oh, I was there when you beat Blue Panther. Oh, I saw that. You're the guy that beat Blue Panther for his hair. And I still think, you know, as as Americans and even Mexican-Americans, I don't think you can really grasp how big an apuesta is. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's literally like, you know, almost like a Super Bowl. Each apuesta is is a part of history. Whether you watch it or not, you know it happens. It's there. It's statistically written down in the record books. You know, so to receive that opportunity was huge. And that basically made me a made man overnight. It's incredible. Yeah, you went from being on, uh, you know, being on the cards to being on every card and being in a good spot. Yeah. You, it, you were talking about Wednesday practices. In, oh, go ahead. You're cutting out there. Can you repeat that last thing again? I'm sorry. Oh, I was mostly putting over how how well you were doing on the on the card after that. Uh, uh, yeah. Basically saying that you went you went from being you know in a good spot on most shows to being in a good spot on every show, and I I almost got tired of seeing you on my screen, but not quite. <laughs> uh, well, it almost. Uh, it, I think. I mean, I was there for probably a year before the Apuesta, before I beat Blue Panther. And again, this yeah. was going back to just proving to CMLL that I, you know, I belonged there. I had to train every Wednesday for a year. I had to perform and, and show them, you know, because again, there's 60 wrestlers running around Arena Mexico, you know, some guys shooting on each other and just, I mean, it's, it's the Wild West as far as that goes, you know, and, and to have a code of conduct that, you know, that I had, I proved myself and I earned that opportunity. And that was almost like a, a I guess a very well kept secret. Because they knew they had something here, they knew they had a you know a license to print money in this American, you know that gets heat and sells tickets, and they were just waiting for the right time to pull the trigger. So we tuned it up a little bit with Blue Panther and Sam Adonis, and I, I shit you not, there was not one professional wrestling fan in the country of Mexico that thought I was going to beat Blue Panther. <laughs> That's yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think that was a huge, I, I, huge surprise. Yep. I not did, one. I did not see that coming either. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that was a bit of the swerve. And, and again, that comes back. I'm sure we'll bring it up later with the, the Negro Cassis uh, situation. That was the swerve that really got, you know, it, it made me a made man because they know, you know, a lot of times some American comes to Mexico, you know, loses their hair and goes away. That's kind of what they were being taught. <laughs> That's kind of what the, you know, they're spoon fed all of these years. So when I was able to do that and beat him, it absolutely blew everybody's mind. And that, you know, for all intents and purposes was the beginning of a push. You know, they knew what, they knew the results that were going to happen. They knew what they'd get out of me afterwards. And, you know, from then on, I mean, we were doing hot, hot business, every small town, you know, because again, Mexico is is a lot different to Japan as far as everything that happens in Japan is recorded, documented, and there's pictures. I've been on shows in Mexico with 15,000 people in a soccer stadium that there's no recollection Mm -hmm. of these things ever happening. 
So we were doing shows all over the country. Uh, myself, Blue Panther, we'd have uh, rematches. And then when we really started the tune up with, uh, with Negro Cassis, we were doing big shows all over the country, selling tickets, um, working with Ultimo Guerrero and Caristico, big, big stars. I was a, you know, main event guy. And it just, it was a proven product and a proven entity. So much so that in the end, when I had my apuesta with Negro Cassis, there wasn't one wrestling fan in Mexico that thought Cassis was going to beat me because they've seen the way things go. You know, they're, they're spoon fed it kind of like, you know, WWE fans know a lot about WWE. Once they, once I beat Panther, (laughs) they know, okay, Negro loses his hair all the time. He loses, he lost it last week. You know, he's going to lose his hair to Adonis because Adonis is hot (laughs) and they're going to, you know, build him to Ultimo Guerrero or something like that. You know, and that that kind of sucked some wind out of my sails. But, you know, again, it was a really cool opportunity. So that is the clip. Just a little teaser of our interview with uh, professional wrestling and Lucha Libre Estrella, Sam Adonis. Make sure you listen to the full interview, which is going to be available on LuchaCentral.com and all major podcast streaming platforms. Again, Google, I, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Pod Bay speaker, all of that. That interview is going to be there. Not a long interview, so it's not going to take too much time, but you get to learn a lot about Sam as far as, you know, all the time that he's wrestled in Mexico. Uh, again, we, we do talk about kind of the publicity he got uh, with his character in Mexico and much, much more. So make sure you check it out on LuchaCentral.com. But you know what? There is much, much more than that on LuchaCentral.com. Brendan, can you let our listeners know what they can find on LuchaCentral.com? Absolutely. I mean, here we go again. If you're listening to this and you haven't been to LuchaCentral.com, it really, really is time to do it. That Sam Adonis interview is just the tip of the iceberg. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all of the top news in English and Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. Happy birthday again, Jerry. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives and all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And here we go. This is the kicker that I love every week. It's free. 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 You wow. cannot cannot beat that price ever. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Speaking of things you can find on LuchaCentral.com, the results for this week's SmackDown and Raw. But you know what? We're going to fancy it up for you, and we're going to have Dusty share some Lucha Libre content we had this week on WWE. Yeah, first up we had Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio. They had their Hell in a Cell match moved to SmackDown, allegedly in an attempt to pump up the ratings, which still didn't help them crack 2 million viewers, and that was mostly due to a lack of notice and a lack of build towards the match happening on SmackDown. It gave them their highest rating of the quarter, but the quarter only started three weeks ago. So, (laughs) I mean, like... Come on. If I had to guess, I would say that this may have been an experiment to see how a surprise match announcement on Twitter and social media affects ratings compared to building towards the match on TV. You know, we're still trying to figure out that mythical 
involvement between social media and the actual product and so and and maybe it was as simple as they just didn't want to show Ray losing on Father's Day, you know, when it was a uh, about his son and but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Early in the show, we get a promo from Ray about how badly, how badly it hurt him inside to see Roman throw Dominic over the top rope like that last week. And he demands that Roman come down to the ring and accept the match in person. The cage over the ring drops down and Roman steps out to the ramp. Roman says that they don't have to do it this way and he doesn't want to hurt Ray. But what he did to Dominic last week was PG compared to what he's going to do to Ray tonight. And he's only going to ask. Oh, so good. (laughs) And he says he's only going to ask one time if Ray is sure he wants this. And Ray claims he's never been more ready. And now we officially have the first Hell in a Cell match to ever air on free network TV. And the match itself was so good. Like this was a great match. Ray getting the lion's share of early offense, including hitting Roman with a chair and then spraying, hitting Roman with a fire extinguisher. And then he just bumped his ass off for Roman. There was a very memorable spot where Roman tossed Ray into the cell wall that harkened back to when Kevin Nash tossed Ray into a backstage trailer <laughs> during the famous NWO beatdown, 96. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Paul yep. Heyman was outside acting like he'd just seen Ray Mysterio get murdered. It, it was incredible. Like, oh, so good. Roman wins with a guillotine choke, making Ray tap out. Like, there's something even better about that for the storyline than getting the three count. And aside from the spot of Ray being tossed like a dart, I really didn't see the need for a stipulation as it just didn't feel worthy of the hell in the cell or the gimmick. I'm not sure what you'd call that, but it just didn't feel like a hell in the cell necessity. But I do hope we see another pay-per-view match between these two in the future because who would have thunk it, but Roman and Ray have like an incredible chemistry and dynamic in the ring. It's just excellent. And you can see the mutual respect between them and their interactions. Like Ray doesn't move like this for everybody, but Roman doesn't let that many people get in offense. So it was really unique and a, a special and cool pairing to see. This was an incredible match for free TV. I wish I could have seen it at the pay-per-view, but it was excellent on SmackDown. Highly, highly recommend this match. It was the best pay-per-view match. I'm just yeah. going to go on record and say that. Yeah, it would have been the match <laughs> of the night if they went ahead and held it on yeah. Sunday. But Low bar! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's very nice. <laughs> but also, as you know, Brendan and Miranda alluded to earlier on the show, we had Karrion Cross on main event this week, but without Scarlett. Uh, he had a winning effort against Shelton Benjamin. His entrance without Scarlett was strange. We've become accustomed to that. We were also missing the lasers and the fog from the entrance, and it just felt very small time compared to his NXT entrance. It just – the NXT entrance, I realize it's a lot. At the beginning, it felt like a lot, but we've become accustomed to it, and it's become yeah. part of his deal and his mystique. And without it, it really feels like he's lacking something to me, and it just made him feel like another guy, just another – NXT guy rather than the NXT guy. So I wish I had the tweet in front of me to cite it, but the the cruelest tweet I saw on this was his entrance looks like a the default creator wrestler entrance. Oh, it does. That's so, 
terrible but true. It's just yeah. weird. It just you know, it's it's such it a works. random thing for them to put on main event too. I mean, yeah. there was the, there definitely the news of the dark match was was circulating. Then we find out that it was going to be on main event. Then we find out, you know, we were going to be able to see it. And it just fell off. It just, you know, understandably, if this is a tryout, especially for television, uh, understand it. But, yeah, I think there's elements, especially that entrance, that makes a big difference. And his association with Scarlett has been one, I mean, that you've, that started, we saw it in Mexico. You know, I mean, like, yeah. that, that, that origin happened in Mexico and has been profound in both of their careers and that partnership. And mm-hmm. so you just wonder, I mean, I can understand if the focus was meant to be on the wrestling, but you, it just makes you wonder if for any reason they decide to, to separate them, but maybe just for the purposes of this, because it was a one-off, it was just, Hey, here's your standard, get out there, wrestle, let's have a, have a match against someone like Shelton Benjamin. I mean, who can wrestle yeah. anybody? Like it is yeah. truly a tryout to do that. So I understand that they're not doing kind of all the visuals because you don't really need it unless you are intentionally moving someone to a different roster. I think for the purposes of what they did this week, it was very apparent that this was kind of just a trial. So I have, I have a opinion on, on this too. Uh, as you mentioned, the, it's a trial, and part of that also is finding out where, how much of this product that is carrying cross is that fantastic entrance and that chemistry he has with Scarlett. So you strip all of that away and you put him in there with a wrestler's wrestler like Shelton Benjamin. You can really see what the raw materials you have are for moving him up to a raw by himself if that's what they need to do or if they need to bring Scarlet and the the fireworks and all of that. So um it in my opinion it shows a lot of faith in Cross to to try it that way and and uh I think that's a, a, as much as everybody hates it I think it's a good sign of the faith that they have in him to be a guy that can that can uh, move up to Raw and maybe stand on his own own merits. And I keep saying Raw, SmackDown actually is the premier show right now. That's the one that they. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's where the best stuff is. Raw is jumbled and chaotic. It's hard to watch. Smackdown. It's yeah. very hard to watch. Well. There you go. That is this week in WWE. Don't forget the results for both SmackDown and Raw are available on LuchaCentral.com. We are going to circle around to MLW. Uh, due to our recording schedule last week, we weren't able to share that much information on MLW. Uh, but we do have some updates. First off, Battle Riot. It is officially sold out. Yes. That means all the tickets are sold. No more tickets left for Battle Riot uh, happening in just a few weeks on July 10th. We also do have an update on confirmed entrance to the Battle Riot, including some really well-known Lucha Libre names. Uh, most recently, Sabio Vega was confirmed. TJP, Gino Medina. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I know. I mean, that's that storyline continuity that they haven't quite addressed yet. Well, he wasn't quite dead. Also, I think at one point they were saying Conan was dead. Like Conan had like mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, they didn't they didn't address Conan's possible death. But I mean, yes. 
I saw Savio Vega buried in the woods. I mean, did we see he was actually buried? We saw him getting attacked with, I mean, the shoveling happened, but we just don't know exactly what happened. I know what I saw. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to believe, them or your lion eyes? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the no, list. No, no, it's good. I, you know, I'm very big on storyline continuity. When they, even just the change of Caesar Duran's name uh, to address Dario Cueto uh, association, like that was just perfect. So the fact you are correct that we may see zombie Sabio Vega. That's, that's, that's how we go about this. Uh, I'd be good with that, actually. That sounds exciting to me. <laughs> Uh, I think enough people have seen zombies in wrestling for about a but year. But not so. zombies fueled by the Azteca. <laughs> That's, yeah. I, I'm just saying it, it could be dangerous. Just <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point. Fantasy Savio Vega is a zombie. Cool. Uh, that's what we do on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. <laughs> Uh, but also confirmed for the Battle Riot, TJP, Gino Medina, Ares, Gringo Loco, Zenshi, and King Muertes. Um, who's going to be pulling double duty because it was also announced that he's going to be facing Richard Holiday in a Caribbean heavyweight championship match under Caribbean rules, which means there are no rules. Is That means it's... You just fight like Puerto Ricans. You just fight. That's what you do. <laughs> that's, that's what you do. So uh, that that is an update on Battle Riot. Uh, because Battle Riot 3 has already sold out, they have also announced that they are going to return to Philadelphia on October 2nd for Fightland. So tickets are also going to be available for that. And MLW is making their very apparent, clear presence in the 2300 Arena um, in Philadelphia to much great success. So we are going to be excited to continue to see them again. Uh, their new this event happening, Battle Right 3 is happening on July 10th. Uh, you know, they're going to be filming as well for future episodes of Fusion. And it's going to be big. This is also going to be possibly the big reveal of plans for Azteca Underground. So uh, we will continue to see what happens. Uh, we are nearing the end of the draft. Uh, no big Lucha Libre signings this week, but Contra has been confirmed as a re-sign. Uh, so, again, Contra unit runs MLW. We will see if that somehow intertwines with Azteca Underground at any point. Also, some interesting news uh, that came out. Now, this came out from the Wrestling Observer, so, you know, take it per- with a grain of salt uh, for those of you who-, who may not be big fans of the Wrestling Observer. Um, however, um, it's noted that MLW is looking to tape some content in Los Angeles for Azteca Underground to make it look very much like a Lucha Underground. Um, they're going to film their matches there and do vignettes during the summer. Um, so, And it looks like they may have just filmed as recently as last week in Los Angeles. So, I mean, again, the association to Lucha Underground is very, very apparent. And I'm just going to use this opportunity to throw out a side project that myself, Dusty, and Brendan did earlier this week related to Lucha Underground. 
the three of us did an episode of Chairshot Radio on the Chairshot.com. It's a daily brief podcast um, hosted by a variety of people on the Chairshot Radio Network. And we had the honor of being on Wednesday's episode where we talked about Lucha Underground. We talked about the history behind it, why it just resonated with fans, and some of the possibilities of uh, this, uh, you know, of this new iteration uh, with with Azteca Underground. So make sure you check out this week's episode, the Wednesday episode of Chairshot Radio at thechairshot.com. Uh, myself, Brendan, Dusty, all were a part of that episode. And it's just a great quick 20 minutes about our thoughts on Lucha Underground. Uh, but I'm going to hand it off to these guys real quick before we get into the second half of MLW News with your thoughts on all of this, with Battle Riot entrance, with the Azteca Underground News. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Dusty, I'll start with you. Uh, I am really excited. MLW has kind of shown that they're going to do this right, as you mentioned, with going to L.A. to to tape the uh, content. Hopefully, we'll see them in Boyle Heights. We've seen Mil Muertes return as King Muertes. Um, You know, like you say, Cesar Duran, formerly um, Dario Cueto. They've gotten all the pieces together. Brendan's mentioned this before. In addition to the little red bull on the desk, they still have the name tag, the nameplate that says kind of a big deal. You know, like, I mean, they, they have taken the time to get all the minutia right. And if you're going to do that, the bigger picture can only be right as well, in my opinion. And so I'm hoping that they'll be able to capture some more of that lightning in a bottle. Just real quick, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna make people listen to my full thoughts on this because I go I had a bigger rant on it on the the chair shot one I about what I think they can do. I tied it into MLW's history with uh with being spiritual successor to ECW, and I think that they're going to be able to do a similar thing here. Uh, it but MLW is a wrestling product, so. The, the this is going to be a double-edged sword, and I'm sorry, me, but they're probably not going to have uh, the as much of the mysticism as they had on the original show. So there's going to be mileage is going to not if they include people. Zombie Savio Vega. I didn't yeah. say they wouldn't have any. I said they're probably not going to have as much. Very fair, fair enough. <laughs> that's true, true statement. True statement. That's you know that's like I say that's your your mixed your mileage is going to vary sort of thing there, but I. If you listen to the chair shot, you can tell the, the the long rant I did on there. You can tell I'm very positive about this, too. So go over there and listen to my extended thoughts on this. And this week in MLW Underground, a pretty great Lucha-centric uh, episode. It starts off with the Havana Pitbulls versus Los Maximos. Um, and this is the debut of the Havana Pitbulls. So it's a really fun match to watch. I enjoyed it. I thought that, I mean, again, this is the premiere of Rocky Romero in MLW. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the pin itself, the finish was pretty quick. Uh, you know, I could see why that Los Maximos is, was contested with them but uh i think that this was a great introduction uh for the havana pitbulls and a great 
counterpart to Los Maximos, who, again, were more of the high-flying, more of the speed in, in Lucha Libre, with the Havana Pitbulls being a little bit more of the brawler style. Mm-hmm. And then we also had uh, Raven versus Vampiro, which was part of a continuation of a feud that, that, that they had. Um, and again, I mean, talk about successors to ECW. This match, this feel, this whole show, especially underground, but this match in particular felt very much like something you would have seen in ECW. Mm-hmm. And it just to to really get people going on this, this isn't the old man Raven or the old man Vampiro that we wow. later saw still trying to wrestle, right? Like, I mean... And by the way, those matches are still great and magical, but if you can remember the, the, the energy they had in WCW and just how, you know, magical WCW and ECW was for both of those guys, they were coming off of that and you got a lot more hints of that in this match. So, you know, um, totally recommend this match. I, I saw the, it was listed as the main event and I went out yep. of my way to watch it. So. And I did not regret it at all. I, no. I lost sleep that night. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, it was, a, it was an incredible match. It did have a very ECW feel in a big way. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it was just incredible. I missed out on this era of Vampiro. Like, he just, mm-hmm. he never came around here during that time. I never saw him on programming. So it's really exciting for me to go back and see it now. And, you know, kind of catch up on that. It's interesting to see him in that transitionary period. Yes, very much so, because you're absolutely right. It, it, it was not kind of old man Vampiro we see. It's not WCW Vampiro. It's something in between. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really good because you still have that intensity in his promo work and in his fighting. Um, and he's still able to do some things now. And, again, like a Vampiro-Raven feud where – I don't think we saw that in in WCW or if it. No, no I think no, they were. Yeah. On, on they were yeah, exactly. Um, but that would have actually worked really well in WCW. But at the same time, it wouldn't have gotten to that level of grit that we saw on this episode of Underground. So I feel like this was kind of the perfect setting for both uh, of these wrestlers. But um, yeah, uh, MLW Underground continues to be a gem uh, in the wrestling world. It's available on MLW's YouTube page for free. So you can watch it each and every week. New episodes drop. And again, we are still going to keep you informed, keep you up to date on everything leading up to Battle Riot, uh, hopefully leading up to Fightland, and eventually, hopefully seeing what Azteca Underground brings about. And again, just a final plug for our episode of Chairshot Radio at thechairshot.com. The Wednesday edition, myself, Dusty, and Brendan, we talk about Lucha Underground. We give our thoughts. We go a bit into depth into it. And so if you want to know more about it, go ahead and listen to it and let us know your thoughts on Lucha Underground, on Azteca Underground, and everything in between. Finally, for the last part of our show, we are talking Impact Wrestling. This was also something that got kind of impacted, pun intended, uh, by our recording schedule last week. One of my favorite things is I predicted the future, um, or (laughs) the the head honchos at Impact Wrestling are listening to the show. Maybe both. 
Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe it, I could absolutely see that being both. Yeah. Uh, but in in last week's episode, I gave I, I fantasy booked out into the universe that I'd love to see an Ultimate X match for the X Division Championship, and swear to not. Less than 24 hours later, it was confirmed by Impact Wrestling that we indeed are going to get an X Division match for the Impact, uh, the X Division Championship, uh, which I am super, super excited for. I mean, they've been setting this up for quite some time with all of the contenders, um, in the X Division, and it just gets me super excited, uh, for this. Let me pull up all of the, uh, announced competitors in this match. We are going to see Trey Miguel, Ace Austin, Rohit Raju, Petey Williams, Chris Bay, and champion Josh Alexander in an Ultimate X match at Slammiversary, Saturday, July 17th. So, sold. Sold! I'm just, I, I am sold. So I'm going to give you another chance for some more blatant promotion, too. One of those guys' names that you just read, you also worked with Right after that match was announced. I did. So, uh, and it's actually a funny story because I talked to him a little bit about this. Uh, but Chris Bay was at the FSW 11th and 12th anniversary show, uh, this past Saturday, I believe in, or Friday and Saturday. I'm fairly sure, or at least for sure it's Friday. <laughs> I wasn't there on Saturday, so I'm not sure. But he was in a match with Trey Lamar. I'm sorry, not even Trey Lamar. I'm sorry, Casey Navarro. Trey Lamar is someone... Else, someone else faced uh, a while ago. But let me reform my thoughts. So Chris Bay faced Casey Navarro um, in the main event of night one of Future Stars of Wrestling's 11th and 12th anniversary show. And actually behind the scenes backstage, I did talk to Chris Bay a little bit, um, congratulating him on the opportunity to be in an Ultimate X match. Um, he, he seemed very excited about it. He's very confident, absolutely confident in his ability to perform in this match. Um, and he is, you know, fairly certain he is going to be coming out of this match as X division champion. Um, I did, you know, tell him, cuidado, be careful, uh, <laughs> because this is an ultimate X match that requires you to climb up, you know, these, uh, I don't know exactly how to call them, but like these almost rails or these, um, yeah, these railings to and a rope to climb up and to get this ladder. So uh, I, I am absolutely pulling for Chris Bay in this match. I think he defines the X division uh, with, I mean, he is the ultimate finesser. He has the finesse. He has the style. He has the charisma. He has the technical ability. And I could... I can see him being a star in this match, if not winning the match completely. And it's a really robust lineup in this match. Of course, you have Trey mm-hmm. Miguel, who has continued to reinvent himself and to show this new aggression and attitude um, in the X Division. Ace Austin, a multi-time X Division champion, truly a wild card. You know, we're going to use the card puns out here. You never yep. know what's going to happen with Ace Austin, but he absolutely has the technical ability in this match as well. You know, not only does he have the cockiness and kind of the scheming in this, but he absolutely has the ability. Petey Williams, someone that we haven't really seen in a ring quite some time, but he is a foundation of the X division. And even at his age, he looks in the best shape of his entire life. Um, Which is saying a lot. Yeah. 
I mean, and then Rohit Raju, who, you know, loves to kind of play games. He'll make alliance one moment and he'll stab you in the back in the next, um, which is exactly what he's doing right now with, with Ace Austin. But he's someone who is very smart and calculated, and he can absolutely use that to his advantage. Plus, someone who can very much go in the ring, which I think continuously surprises people. And, of course, Josh Alexander, your champion. Fantastic. Love him. Okay, so uh, for people who may not have watched Impact for any reason here, um, this is a unique match to them. Can you maybe describe the match real quick, too? Yeah, so I was trying to explain, So, because I don't know <laughs> the right wording, but Ultimate X is a match where the belt championship is suspended above the ring, and this is not a suspension uh, like a ladder match, it is suspended with uh, railings from or poles from each side of the ring to create an X where the term ultimate X comes from. And so there are no ladders. So you don't climb a ladder to get to the title. You have to climb up these poles and then uh, across the ropes up above the ring to get the, the, the championship belt. Um, and it is something very unique to Impact Wrestling slash TNA history, um, and it's really solidified in the X division. It is the only division that's done an X uh, Ultimate X match, and mm. I mean, a lot of wrestling greats have gone and per- been participants in Ultimate X matches. Surprisingly, Samoa Joe has a win in an Ultimate X match, which when you see the structure for Ultimate X, you don't think... Samoa Joe's the guy that's going to win this one. No. Just, <laughs> just Again, the, you, yeah, you have to climb, uh, you have to climb up these poles and across to these suspended wires. So, I mean, you have to be a good climber. I don't think Samoa Joe's a good climber. He's a good climber. But that's, that's why I say it's surprising. You don't look at him and think he's the guy that's going to climb across there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounded like you were maybe going to say something, Dusty. Yeah. I, Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, I love the format of the Ultimate X and the the hanging belt and everything. But, yeah, Samoa Joe was a big surprise at the time. Like, I I don't think anybody expected him to be as quick and as lithe as he was in that match compared to some of the the other X Division guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and other – I mean, so we said that the other – Wrestlers that we think of now as cruiserweights or uh, that came through TNA at the time were in a lot of these matches. Both of the Motor yeah. City Machine Guns have been in a lot of them. Um, AJ Styles. AJ. Yeah. Uh, when CMLL was partnering with them, you had luchadors there that were in Ultimate X matches too. Uh, I believe Extreme Tiger was in one of the, the yes, bigger ones. Yes, he was. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this is this is a very, very unique match, but also it's a big showcase for a a very specific type of wrestler and sometimes even a surprising one. I will I still want to see Willie Mack in one of these at some point, because I think he Mm -hmm. would do very well in an Ultimate X, too. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. As far as the experience factor, it goes to Petey Williams, not only just being a staple in Impact and TNA, but he's been in Ultimate X matches before. Um, Bunches of them. Yes, a bunches (laughs) of them, yes, yes. So, I mean, yeah, you just... it's it's hard to beat against experience, but again, this is one of the most stacked X Division rosters in Impact history. Um, so I mean, it's hard to deny the talent. 
um, and the strength and prowess and ability of all of the wrestlers in this match. So this absolutely has the ability to steal the show and to be on the highlight reel of everyone's social media on Impact Wrestling. It's, it really could take over everything. I hope it does. I really yes. do. All of those guys deserve yeah. a big spotlight, and this could be the match that does it for them. Yes, yes. And I pray, so Ace Austin was was previously, and Trey Miguel, they've also been in X, uh, Ultimate X matches. Actually, Ace Austin was in the last one um, that had Johnny Mundo slash Johnny Impact um, on here, uh, and that was oh, yeah. back in 2019. Yeah, I remember now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Very cool. Uh, Yes. So, uh, and of course, Trey Miguel was in the one previous to that in, uh, at homecoming against Rich Swan, Ethan Page, and Jake Christ. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a long history and I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, reminded me to share uh, a little bit about that because very much as you think about the cruiserweights in WCW, it's very similar parallel to how a lot of people think about the X division in Impact Wrestling slash TNA. Absolutely. It's always one of my favorite parts of their programming. Yes. And real quick, this week on Impact Wrestling, we did see TJ is this week. Hold on. Let me just. This is actually <laughs> last week. Sorry. I'm just going back. So last week, again, because we recorded early, we did see TJP versus Black Taurus in a match um, in which TJP won. Um, he had a big tornado DDT and ended up setting up for the Mamba Splash. Um, however, he was quickly attacked by Moose uh, in order to capture the attention of Scott Damore, uh, who ended up uh, wanting to get his attention over the pretty controversial ending of Against All Odds against that uh, um, a main event against Kenny Omega, which LOL, the Young Bucks ruined everything. Um, <laughs> that's just, that's a, that's echo the wrong, the Young Bucks ruined everything, interfered in that match. So, um, yes, yeah, uh, that is the beginning of last week's Impact Wrestling. Not a, a lot of lucha content this week, um, though we did see again, uh, PD Williams and Trey Miguel team up versus Rahit Raju and Shira, and we did get a melee after the match of all the competitors in the Ultimate X match. Um, so that is, I think, if that's something you're looking for, looking for something to watch at Impact Wrestling, the X division is where it's at. And with that, well, we've reached the end of this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can follow Lucha Central on social media, too, at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. Check out the YouTube page that has hours upon hours of matches and interviews and exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers 321 t-shirt guy is all spelled out i'm on instagram i'm on facebook and i'm all over the twitters and me miranda morales you can find me on instagram and facebook at the hashtag miranda hashtag spelled out 
Again, check out our episode of Chairshot Radio at thechairshot.com. It is the Wednesday episode where we cover our thoughts on Lucha Underground and this new iteration, possible iteration, of Azteca Underground. And make sure to check out our partners, thechairshot.com, your source for wrestling news, analysis, opinions, sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. Thank you all so much for listening again. Uh, make sure you tune in to us here as well on LuchaCentral.com. And don't worry, we will be back next week, so join us then. <laughs>